Welcome to the Back to the Bricks podcast, a new podcast about sports, faith, and culture. I'm Justin. And I'm Nick. Close friends turn mid-major rivals. Join us as we venture back to the Bricks. Welcome back to the Bricks. We are going to have a very draft-centered episode this week, Nick, with the draft um, upcoming this week. And so we'll just jump right in. Um, With both of us being from Cincinnati, we've heard a lot about um, Joe Burrow and you going to school in Athens, um, where he's from. You've heard a lot about Joe Burrow. So the big thing about Joe Burrow is, is he going to be that classic Heisman bust Nick, do you, do you think he'll be, he'll fit into that role? You know, Justin, I don't want to call him a bust. Um, I don't want him to be a bust. Do I think there's a great potential with one year of success on his resume that he could be a bust? Absolutely. I think he fits that criteria. Um, I mean, we can get into the argument of whether or not he's a system quarterback at LSU, but he wasn't a starter at Ohio State, and it wasn't because he was the best, it, and it wasn't because he was the best quarterback on the roster. Like, it wasn't like he was in a political, you know, something political with some other guy, right? He wasn't the starter because he wasn't the best quarterback on the roster. Correct. So and that, like, his dad was a college coach. So if there was going to be anything political, it probably would have swung his way. Like, if there would have been a benefit of the doubt given, it probably would have been for him with the coaching fraternity and all that. So I, I get what I agree with you there. You know, Justin, he probably should have gone to OU if he wanted to be the stud for four years, right? I mean, his dad was a defensive coordinator up until last year in OU. He's been a part of that Frank Solich staff for a long, long time, the longest head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator together at the same school for 12, 15 years, right? Um, but instead, our boy Nathan Rourke that we just had on, shout out to Nathan Rourke. Shout out to Nathan Rourke. Was the quarterback, right? Um, and hopefully, hopefully on Thursday, both of them, well, hopefully by the end of Saturday, both of them are drafted, right, Justin? But I, I do think I do think there's there's potential there for Burrow to be a bust, and I think that leads to is he the savior for the Bengals, regardless? I don't know how you can call him a savior when there's so many holes in that roster that aren't at quarterback. Let's just be honest. Andy Dalton is a is an average to when he's playing really well an above average quarterback, you know, and so. Like, you look at the Bengals' best years with him. He got hurt that year when they lost to the Steelers at home in the in the colossal meltdown that was that was Vontez perfect. And so he was hurt. He, he didn't even play in that playoff game. So, I mean, quarterback, I don't really know if that's the number one problem on the Bengals. There's a lack of talent in other areas, which takes me into my next kind of question. Did the talent at LSU make Joe Burrow what he was last year? I mean, you can't argue with the defense. Defense was outstanding for most of the year, right? And for some yeah, reason, that was, the, that was the, the back half of the year. That was the harp on them early in the season. Um, you have to forgive me there. I almost, I just, I went to my natural instinct, which is LSU has a great defense. <laughs> but, but instead, they had a high flying air raid type offense, right? And was it the offensive coordinator? Heck of an offensive coordinator. I mean, when you go from the NFL to college football, Back to the NFL. Back to the NFL. Then, you know, here we are, right? It makes me think a lot of it had to do with the coordinator. A lot of it had to do with schemes. Justin, you're a big scheme guy. A lot yes. of it had to do with what they wanted to do, X's and O's on the football field. And they had some absolute dudes at receiver, Justin. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, like, what his receivers gave him, I mean, first of all, they're the fastest dudes on the field 
out of the DBs they played and all that. And if you look at like scheme wise, like you were saying, those dudes were so wide open. I probably could have gone out there and made a throw on a lot of those. And so I don't know how much you can put on that. Now Joe Burrow gets to reap the benefits of that and win a Heisman and all that because he makes the throws. He's the one that scores that scores the touchdown and puts on a show in a in a college football playoff semifinal. I mean, he did that. He did those things. But if you look, a lot of times it's because those receivers had nobody within ten yards of them, and they got put there by by play call and by the design of the play. So I don't know how much of that you can say Joe Burrow is really that good, you know? Yeah, and I don't I don't think it's an issue of arm talent. I don't think we're trying to poke holes in his ability, but I think we're trying to take a realistic look at his success. Was it really him? Was it just him, right? He played well. Don't get me wrong. He made the throws when he needed to make the throws. He stayed in the pocket when he needed to. He got out of the pocket when he needed to. I mean, he did everything he needed to do, Justin. But I think it's a fair question if you're going to take the first number one overall pick in the NFL draft to take a guy, are you 100% certain this is your franchise quarterback? Yeah, and like if you look at the the Heisman winners that have been taken number one because that's been a trend recent and probably been a trend for a long time. Absolutely. But like you have you have a Baker, right? And I'm a Browns fan, and so that first year he was unreal. At times he wasn't unreal. He was he was pretty good at times. But and then you have Kyler, and then you have all these other guys. Like how much of that do we fall in love with their ten games, twelve games that they play really well that year before they come out, and then we ignore what they did the years before? Joe Burrow was an average college quarterback the year before last year, and he had a really good bowl game. We'll say that. But that's about – I mean, that's about it. I mean, he played – he was about as average as you could get. And so when you change the system, he gets better, which begs the question, is he a system kind of quarterback? And without having that system with the Bengals, is that going to offer problems for him? Yeah, I think that's a fair question to ask. And you know, Justin, you reminded me of his I'm a winner quote, right? I His only loss in so-and-so years was to Texas A&M in six overtimes last year, right? Yeah. But he also played at Athens High School. Like, Let's go back to that part about his father being the defensive coordinator for OU. He played in Athens High School. Okay, That's not a high-level high school football division conference fill-in-the-gap. It's not. It's just not. And so I think, has he faced adversity as a starting quarterback? That's my question. Has he faced adversity as a starting quarterback? He's been a backup. Yeah, that's an adversity, right? He transferred, so that's adversity, sure. But has he actually faced real adversity with a team that is not used to winning, the Bengals, and yeah. and GM and coach who are going to have to win now in order for it to be the right decision for them? Yeah, let's just be honest. The Zach Taylor experiment in the first year didn't work out very well, and so it's, and it's not going to last long if no, Joe Burrow does not walk in that door and win some games. Especially if you look at like Flores um, in Miami. I mean, that team was expected to go like 0 and 32. And so the fact that he ended up with a better record than the Bengals um, just proves the fact that maybe the Bengals didn't get the right guy, you know? And so he's going to have to prove that he's at least taking the right steps. And Joe, that a lot of that responsibility is going to fall on Joe Burrow. And I don't, I don't know if he's cut for that, you know, not with, with having not the same amount of talent around him and being a first year quarterback. There's a lot of guys that can't step into that. And I mean, even like Peyton Manning and those guys, great all-time quarterbacks. It took a couple of years for that to happen, and people understood that with them. Is Joe going to put 
pressure on himself and, and crack and not be able to do that. I mean, it's just that's questions I have if I were a Bengals fan at that number do, one. Do you thing. even do you even entertain the idea, Justin, of trading out of that number one spot if you're the Bengals? I think if you're the Bengals, you can't. Um, just because of the fact of where you are as a franchise and the fact that nobody trusts uh, Mike Brown. And so 100%. I think they're I think they're handcuffed at the fact that they have to take him. Even if you don't like him, you have to take him because you're going to be questioned if you don't. And so I I wouldn't want to be where the Bengals are at. I'd rather be where the Dolphins are at and have the opportunity to, you know, put a put a roster together that's pretty good. Um, but I th- I think they're going to have to take him. I don't think you can trade back. Joe Burrow, Which, starting quarterback, over under yep. five wins, Justin. Uh, in his first year, I'm going to go wins. under. I'm going to go under. Wow. I'll take the under on that one. You think the Browns are that improved this year, Justin? Uh, I don't know if the Browns are that improved, but the Ravens are pretty good. Big Ben's coming back. Um, the Browns, I feel like, are going to be better. Baker was in a fat sophomore slump, and so uh, they're just they're, there's too much talent there not to be better. So it's a tough division, um, hard to win in as a rookie quarterback. So I I don't think I don't think I I'd, I'd take the under. So that brings me to our next kind of thing about Joe Burrow. He has been talking a lot, and a lot more than what your number one overall pick normally talks, Nick. And so what do you make of some of his shady comments about the Bengals? Um, and what he's saying there. You know, I think I often go back to this, Justin. I think when you have a platform, you need to be using it responsibly. And I think when you have the chance after winning the Heisman to be the number one overall pick, I don't think I'd be throwing shade at anybody and especially wouldn't be throwing any shade at Cincinnati or the Bengals franchise. If I'm going to be the face of the program, which, you know, there's news news that he's been shopping for houses in Mason, Ohio with his girlfriend. You know, he knows he's going to be the face of this franchise. I'm not saying a bad word, a bad word, Justin. No, I agree. I mean, if you look at guys like Matt Stafford, which you could probably compare as the same kind of talent as Joe, um, that big arm, you know, kind of gunslinger, athletic guy. When he got drafted by the the Lions, the Lions were awful. And he didn't – I don't remember anything being said of Matt Stafford saying anything bad about the organization he was going to or hinting at saying anything bad about the organization he goes to. And that's kind of just being the professional, you know. And so that's something different that you got to learn. Um, you can't be sitting in a locker room smoking cigars, you know, after every win. Like, that's not going to work in the pros. you got to keep working to get better. And so I, I think I, – I think I understand what he's doing a little bit. He wants to talk. He's a charismatic guy. But you got to know when to talk and when not to, or you're going to end up like Baker Mayfield. That's in, right. In my and, and, and even in my, and you know, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up Baker there, Justin. I think what I liked to what Baker did when he knew he was going to be the franchise quarterback for the Browns is he said, "I want it. I want to be the face of the franchise. I want this challenge. I want this historically bad program. I want it. You know, I want this to yeah. be my my franchise." And now, now he's going to have to deal with the boo birds on that. But yeah. I liked. I don't love Baker Mayfield, but I do like that he said. Give it to me. I want to be the franchise quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I agree. And being a Browns fan, that was huge hearing a guy actually say they wanted to be the quarterback of the Browns because we had a ton of guys that didn't even want to touch it with a six-foot pole. And so um, the fact that he said that, but I I think the thing that young quarterbacks need to learn from Baker is that you just come in and do the work. 
and you don't rely on what you did the first year. You don't rely on what you did your, your last year of college. Um, or you'll end up in that awful, awful sophomore slump where you have so many expectations and you don't, you don't hit any of them. So Absolutely. taking us from one local sport to another, um, UC announced the sad news. Um, and anytime any sport is canceled, no matter what, it's sad news. They announced this, the news that they're um, canceling their men's soccer program, right, Nate? Just men's? That's right. Men, men's soccer. At. Currently, yeah. just Can- men's soccer. Yeah. Canceling their men's soccer um, program. You got to think it's because of losing so much money um, in baseball. UC's a pretty good baseball school, especially recently, and they made some good money there. And it's trying to keep their bigger, other bigger programs. Nick, what's the implications on smaller size, not power five schools during this during this time where schools aren't having any revenue flow? You know, I think I think one, I'm surprised it was the University of Cincinnati to go first in this process. Um, they were left out when we did the whole conference realignment thing, right? So they they got they kind of got left out. Thought they, yeah, were they wanted to go. Entity, they wanted to go to the Big Twelve too. Yeah, they wanted to go to the Big Twelve and got left out. So we thought they might go to the Big Twelve. I still think maybe in a few years that's an opportunity. I mean the they draw the amount of students and things like that and make enough money. But I mean, obviously now they're, they're hurting like any other program, but the implication Justin is we're starting to see the signs of college football either not happening the way it's normally does. No fans adjusted schedule, pushed back schedule, or we're starting to see some ADs think through what if college football doesn't exist in 2020, 2020, 2020, 2021. Well, I'm going to have to cut some corners somewhere else. So I think that this is the first program to do that. And I think you'll start to see some other schools kind of fall in line here. And I think there's some serious implications with with all the programs, really, in college when this happens. Yeah. And and no, like you said, no sport is going to be safe. Um, There's going to be there's going to be schools that can't support a football program and have to get rid of their football program. I mean, those smaller schools, we think that football is untouchable. It's not. I mean, UAB, even at the fact that they brought it back, showed that a couple of years ago that no no football program is untouchable, especially at smaller go schools, Blazers, not Power Five. Way. Shout school. out to the Blazers. Yeah, there you go, there you go. So the alma mater. They're uh, not of you, my father. Shout say, out to the Blazers, my father's alma mater. There we go. So it just shows that nothing is untouchable, and everything's gonna everything's gonna be evaluated to see if it's gonna be prosperous and so um and both on men's and women's side too um with with the rules and stuff it's there's going to be cuts coming from both sides and so it's going to be sad there's going to be kids who went to schools um to get a next a next chance um and maybe a future career in that in that sport and it's not going to happen i mean i hope the ncaa gives those athletes a chance to transfer without any penalties um, especially with all the other transfer stuff going on. Do you think the NCAA will give them a chance to transfer or will they, you know, be ridiculous about it? I mean, I think it goes back to the conversation about transfers that I think always comes up. You know, Justin, even when we talk about it, is high major programs and high talent transfers. Do I think the NCAA at some point is going to have to do a waiver just for this, just for this upcoming school year? Absolutely. Well, think about the international students that you see right now, Justin, right? We've got four, five, six, I believe, on that roster. I might I might be off on that number, but several international students on that UC soccer roster with nowhere to go. 
right? That's a different situation than, uh, you know, a natural born citizen who is used to the recruiting process and maybe had somebody else give him an offer at a smaller school or a different school in the conference, right? But what's going to happen now? I did see that UC said they're going to honor their their scholarship till they graduate. I do I do think that's the right decision, but I don't know if that's going to happen across the board to other institutions either. Yeah, I think it's going to have to be uh, college by college, university by university, because some schools, if they're cutting that, that means they can't afford to keep those scholarships, and that's part of the reason why they're cutting it. So, absolutely, a lot of that's going to have to be determined. So we can't say there's going to be one rule for all these people on what they're going to do. So. Um, that kind of, it kind of stinks, you know, for, for schools that maybe make their money on these other, you know, sports that aren't as well known, um, like a lacrosse program or like a soccer program or like one of those, because they're not a major sport, they might have to be cut. And that's, that, that, that that provides bad opportunities for kids and and those kind of things. So hopefully the NCAA takes it easy. Um, and let them transfer, but but you never know with the NCA. That's part of who they are. So going back to the NFL draft, Justin, if you had to pick somebody who you think is currently being under-evaluated, overlooked, uncut, Jim, who would you go with? I would have to go with, and I'm going to go a little uh, homer on this one, Chase Claypool um, from Notre Dame. The dude just was an absolute stud last year. And really, in the bowl game against Iowa State, was an absolute stud. I mean, seven catches, 146 yards, with a touchdown. Um, he averaged 20 yards a catch. That's that's unreal, especially against that Iowa State defense, who was stingy in a pretty offensive heavy Big 12. And so that was that was impressive. The the crazy thing about him is um, he got better and better. I mean, his freshman and sophomore year, he barely did anything, and then his senior year, he blew up. Um, 66 catches, 100 or 66 catches, 1,037 yards, 13 touchdowns. Um, and I bet if you ask Ian Book, he thinks he's pretty good too because that was his number one guy. So I think Claypool's not getting as much love as he could. I think he's going to be pretty good as an NFL guy. If you look at Irish receivers through the years, they've had a pretty good uh, track record too. So that's a guy that I think's not getting enough love and is going to be pretty good. Justin, I'll throw one in there too. I think Makai Becton, my guy from Louisville, you know, he's probably top 10 on everybody's board right now. But I mean, and we'll get to it in a second, but there's some there's some analysts and some talent people that are just flat out wrong about him. He's, he's still, he's not even anywhere close to his potential, Justin. At Louisville, he started as a, as a fat boy. There's not a better way to say it. Big boy who had all kinds of potential, but he was too big to be playing, and just couldn't play at the weight he was at. Dude's humongous still. He, he's a, I mean, he's a large man, right? We get this new coaching staff in, we get new, co- we get new assistants in, and all of a sudden you see all this potential. Now, does he give a hundred percent on every single play? Probably not. But are there a lot of college guys that do? No. So you're going to find some tape on most people that isn't most flattering. But I think he won't be the first offensive lineman taken. But I think he will be in five years the best offensive lineman from this draft. Yeah, that's a bold take. Um but I, I could see it. The the kid's humongous um, and has all the the stuff that you look for in an alignment. That's going to be, that's going to be really good. So that takes us into our uh, goat of the week, Nick, who do you got as your goat of the week this week? Yeah, I got to go. I got to go with my, with my man, Chris Mack, head coach of Louisville basketball. He's been getting a lot of flack recently. You know, he had a great recruiting class this year that we just finished with 2021 looking a little bit weaker. 
Um, but he just brought in two grad transfers that were hot on the market. Carlick Jones from Radford and Charles Menland from San Francisco. And I'll tell you what my favorite part was with Charles Menland from San Francisco. That dude didn't even have us in his top eight, Justin. And what happened was we lost Jay Scrub, top Juco player, to the NBA draft. He officially signed an agent and said he was not going to Louisville, which we all assumed for the whole year, but we had just hoped wouldn't happen. Correct. So he said that, and Dino Gaudio, one of our assistants, former ESPN analyst, immediately reached out to Menland, basically told him, you know what, you're this, you're this guy for us now. We can fill in this spot with you. Big time minutes, big time program. And I think the best part about this story, Justin, this is a guy who grew up in North Carolina, grew up as an ACC fan, not a single Carolina school, and there's four of them in the ACC. Not a, not a single one of them recruited him. And so he said when he got that phone call from Dino Gaudio in Louisville, he could not pass up on the opportunity to play in the ACC against the teams that refused to recruit him. He's going to lay waste to the to the ACC. I'd be on watch if I were the ACC. My goodness. I mean, we got two dudes who are cut out for high-level Division One basketball who have the opportunity to go make a splash in the tournament, win a bunch of games, and, and maybe get drafted. Watch yeah. out. Yeah, wow, that's big time. Chris Mack's always been good on scooping up those transfers, though. And shout you know, Justin, to, this is going to be the, out to the it, Xavier Musketeers. And you know, shout out to my my boys at Big Red Louie. Um, they were talking about on their podcast the other day how this is finally going to be our Chris Mack team. This is year three of the of the Mack regime. He's got his six five point guard. He's got guys who've been under recruited and undersold their whole careers. This is going to be a scrappy team. They're going to be long. They're going to be deep. They may not win 30 games, but they're going to be a threat come March and April. Well, and Chris Mack, we'll, we'll go down. I'll let you take me down this road because you know I love Chris Mack. So he's an underdog himself. And so if he gets guys that are scrappy and are underdogs, that's his best team. I mean, look at what he did with Trayvon Blewett. Everybody told Blewett that he wasn't going to be what he was, and he took him and made him so good. And then if you look at like Makura and Farr and those guys that he had at Xavier, None of them were highly recruited. None of them really thought they'd be any good. And J.P. McCurrow was a mess. So off the court, on the court, Absolutely. He, was, he was a stud. So he took those guys who people didn't love as much, and he loved them up and made them, made them really good. So, yeah, in, in the terms of having a Chris Mack team, it's got to be a team that has a little bit of that underdog mentality and chip on their shoulder. So that takes me into what my go to the week is. The Browns, Nick, talked a lot about the Browns today. Um, they Shocking. just released their new, but in parentheses, old uniforms. So they they got rid of those hideous uh, new uniforms they've had, the the uh, updated look, I'll call it. But it was hideous, and they went back to just the old brown, orange, and white. That's what they went back to. And so they're going, they're flashing back to to the heyday of the Browns, um, and they look sweet. So if you're a Browns fan and you haven't checked them out, check them out. Um, the NFL giving us a little taste of new uniforms during this time when we have nothing is kind of sweet. The Falcons released theirs. Um, the Rams released their new logo. So the Browns' new uniforms are pretty sweet. So what's the funniest while thing? While we're there, Justin, yeah, yeah. before I tell you my funniest thing, the Rams' new logo is trash. The Falcons' new unis are trash. So j- new see, doesn't always mean better. See, I'm, I didn't mind – the Falcons new uniforms, even though they looked like what's that? They were comparing them to like some movie. I An can't Adam Sandler movie, I believe. Yes, but somebody out there back it, check us on that. Yeah, um, yeah. If you if you know what movie they're talking about, you know, hit us hit us up on uh, Instagram. So, um, but 
I, I didn't mind them. So, I mean, I guess we can, we can uh, disagree on that. So what's the funniest thing you've seen besides the Rams logo this week? You know, I'm going to go back to my, my, my boy, Makai Becton. There was an analyst from CBS and I will find his name before I finish this, but just an outstandingly poor take on Makai Becton. He inspired me to go off on the hidden gems section of our show today. But he said that if the Giants took Makai Becton in the top 10, that would be a B minus draft grade, Justin. A B minus. I mean, how do you justify that? Literally, without you had to have watched a few plays of film to come away with that conclusion. Didn't he say that he didn't finish blocks? He doesn't finish blocks. That's his. He doesn't weakness. finish blocks. Is his big weakness, and I'll just say it as a Notre Dame fan. There was a couple times in that uh, Notre Dame game that he just road graded some dudes. And if you got a dude that big, you know the ball is going to be ran there. And so it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. But the fact that they still ran to his side and gained yards has to reveal something about him. So I mean, Pete, I, Pete Prisco, I'm giving you a draft grade of C minus. I like it. I like it. Calling people. What about out. you, Justin? Love it. Funniest thing you've so, seen. I've been watching the uh, James Bond movies. Big fan. My grandpa's a big fan. Got introduced to him when I was young by my my grandpa. Um, shout out to LB. So, um, but I've been watching them again, and they're so hokey, Nick. Like, there's so much stuff on them that's just like, how did that? How did that happen? Like, how did people give this movie a 98 overall rating on Rotten Tomatoes? Like, there's so much stuff on it that's just hokey. Like punches missed that the acting is so bad um it's just it's just hilarious so um that's that's been funny i've been laughing at parts where it's supposed to be serious just because it's so hokey and yeah maybe that's how movies were made back in the day but still come on you're making movies to last and those are all-time classics so they're hokey um what's your roast what's your roast of the week nick you know i gotta go with bleacher report it came out with an article today and i'll throw some shade at the rival Kentucky's quarterback slash receiver slash athlete, Lynn Bowden Jr., started the season at receiver, ended it as the starting quarterback in a wildcat, wildcat offense, if you will. Um, And they said the versatile junior is going to shake up the NFL in a big way. Quote, you name it, he can do it. And the article is called Meet the Next Taysom Hill. See, the issue with that, Justin, is that Taysom Hill played quarterback in college. He didn't play glorified running back. He didn't have the O-line that Lynn Bowden Jr. had at Kentucky. Now, again, don't come after me. I understand that Louisville absolutely got waxed by Kentucky in one of the most confusing games of the entire season. Wow. Absolutely waxed. I mean, in the pouring waxed. rain, they ran for 600 yards, Justin. I mean, but at the same time, at the same time, yes, and as Justin's reminding me through through video here, he did give us the L's down about every two and a half seconds. And so, L's yes, I'm not the, biggest, not the biggest Lynn Bowden fan. I don't think a man should be able to taunt on every single play. That's a personal opinion. Now, if it would have been horns down, it would have been an automatic 15, but we'll have that conversation later. But he's, he's a good athlete, Justin. He'll make a squad. He'll probably get drafted decently early. But is he a quarterback? Is he a Taysom Hill? That's hilarious. I'll let the uh, Kentucky fans hate on you because isn't it Lynn Bowden? Don't they call him Bowden in Kentucky land? I think they might. Um, I hope they do so that they hate on you even more for, for, you know, going off on him. But anyway, I think that they're seeing Randall Cobb in this guy. 
and they're thinking, my goodness, we got the next Randall Cobb, who, okay, Randall Cobb had a good career for like four years with the Packers, and then the back half of his career has been mediocre. So if that's the career you want for this guy, go ahead, by all means, do that. But Ceiling. Did you watch games with him? They couldn't even throw the ball. Like, and if they tried to, it had to be two-yard spot passes. It was like, the ceiling. The ceiling, Justin, is four years in the NFL on a team not playing. The ceiling is on a team for four years. Yeah, and I mean, the dude's an athlete. Let's just be honest. He could step in and and, and did some good things with teams knowing that he was going to run the ball. So, I mean, he is an athlete. But, yeah, I agree with you. What they're saying about him is a little crazy. Um, which takes me to you hated on Bleacher Report. We You hated on CBS. Um, That's right. I'm going to hate on ESPN. So you know Fantastic. what? We're throwing shade on all of them today. Going okay? right down the list. Fox, watch out. Watch out, Fox Sports. We're coming for you next. So um, they, I'm throwing shade at ESPN because of the fact that they released a quarterback, top 10 quarterback U, and they released um, like – Who was a, on that list, Justin? Uh, like USC was on that list. Which you're missing a score. Don't get me started. Louisville was on that. Louisville Cardinals were on that list. Yes, I know. Okay. Um, who else was on that list? Like, wasn't Texas on that list? Texas was on that list. Oklahoma was on that list. Um, a couple teams. Oregon wasn't Oregon on that list. I think I Oregon think was they, on the list as well. I think they might have been. Um, but the fact, look, are we talking about college stats? Or are we talking about NFL stats? Because if you're going to put Oklahoma and you're going to put like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray as products of quarterback U, you got to give them more than one or two years. So if we're talking college stats, I mean, the Irish had Joe Theismann, all right? They had Brady Quinn, who might I refresh your memory, was a flat-out stud in college, even though people hated him in the NFL. He was a stud in college, Nick. I mean, was was the real deal. And then Joe Montana. Can you compare that? Come on now, ESPN. And then they released just like your dream units, and they didn't put tight end and O-line on there because they didn't want the Irish to be on there. So ESPN, if you hate the Irish, just come out and say it. Don't, don't uh, sugarcoat it. Just say it, you know. We get we're an NBC team but you could throw us some love every now and then. You have your own network, Justin. You have your own network. You don't play in a conference. I mean, what are you Irish. We don't have to. We're entitled. Oh, my goodness gracious. So that takes us to our challenge of the week. Um, And this challenge of the week is going to be a little off the wall, Nick, and I personally like this challenge. Um, If you are a sports fan, if you're an NFL fan, you are dying for something fresh and live and not recorded and intriguing and the nfl draft is going to give you that so here's our challenge nick throw your own party throw your own virtual draft party do it over zoom do it over facetime do whatever throw your own draft party take a picture take a video of your yourself having a good time you know make up some appetizers you know do it upright and then share those with the app back to the bricks um podcast on instagram twitter Facebook, share it on all of them if you don't mind. So we want to see your draft party. We want to, we want you to be having a good time as this draft is going on. You know, and I and, and have your own little bingo board. You know, come up with yeah. some hidden gems. Keep yourself there for a while. Not just Friday night. Not just I'm sorry. Not just Thursday night. Not just Friday night. Be there all day Saturday because you know we're going to be and we're going to be looking for our boy Nathan work to go off the board late. What else are you going to be doing? 
you know, what else, what else do you have going on? So yeah, hopefully Nathan Rourke gets drafted. Um, we'll, we'll go crazy on this podcast if that happens. So if you don't um, think we're going to go Instagram live when that happens, Justin, then you, then you are wrong. You're wrong. Dead wrong. So throw your draft party. Let us know about it. Also, if you have uh, diamonds in the rough, as we're calling them, of people that you think are going to be studs in the NFL and are getting no love for the draft, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Let us know. All right. That is Back to the Bricks. Thank you for listening to the Back to the Bricks podcast. We'd love for you to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts, send this podcast to a friend, or share this episode on your Instagram story. We'll see you back on the Bricks next time.